When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of the Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and joining me in this episode is Melinda Nicky, the founder and CEO of baby to body If you are nearly a mum, or you're a new mum, or you're a mum, this is a digital content platform for fitness, well-being, nutrition, and fashion and beauty, designed to help you live better and have healthier babies. Melinda's going to explain everything to you in the show but um, as well as being a sports psychologist a fitness trainer and a consultant in health technology this platform which is born out of um, being pregnant herself years ago has turned into um, one of the most impressive startup businesses um, globally and uh, her journey has taken her from the kitchen table um, to Silicon Valley and she tells us all about how she ended up Uh, finding herself in one of the most exciting uh, business hubs uh, in the entire world. We also talk about the fact that less than 12 hours before I sat down at her kitchen table with her, she was hanging out with Brad Pitt. You don't want to miss all of that. And we also talk about health generally. Um, She is a fitness trainer. She's a sports psychologist. She's incredibly informed and well-read on a lot of topics and one of the things that we actually talk about is something that I'm beginning to read a lot about um, it's definitely getting a lot of press at the moment is fasting and intermittent fasting. Melinda obviously is ahead of the curve and she does it and she tells us about the reasons why and how to really go about it in a sensible way. All of the links to Melinda will be in the show notes. Um, I really hope you enjoy this chat, it's 60 minutes of fun and like I said it starts off with Brad Pitt so what's not to love? Joining me on the Beauty Podcast in this episode, I have the lovely Melinda Nicky, who has invited me to her home. So we're sitting in her kitchen, and she's the founder and CEO of Baby to Body. But before we get into the real topic of conversation today, who were you hanging out with last night? Brad Pitt. Right. (laughs) Clang. (laughs) So, I mean, on your mantelpiece behind you, I can see he signed something for you. So why were you hanging out with Brad Pitt? Well, it was a pretty random Monday morning in November and I was going to work and I saw in the newspaper there was an opportunity to go to the premiere and you had to be the first of 50 to go to the Odeon West End and because it's right next to my office, literally next mm-hmm. door, I popped in <laughs> and I got a wristband. <laughs> next thing I knew, at 6 o'clock, I was standing outside the Odeon and um, because I only had a few people who won these wristbands, mm-hmm. we were in a kind of segregated area right at the front door. Do you mean you were penned off behind really? Yes, I was penned <laughs> off. I didn't want to say that, but actually, uh, get in the pen. That was a first. Um, but then he arrived, so a bunch of the other people arrived, and then he arrived, and he took the longest time to go to every single person. And he must have spent an hour talking to the audience and everybody who was there he was just so sweet and so nice and he came up to me and I was like hi he's like hi I was like can you sign this he goes sure and then they called him over to take um to be interviewed um for television yeah and he said I'll come back 
seriously, he came straight back no. to me. He came straight back to me. And then I said, now can I have my picture? And he's like, sure. And he smiled and he stood there and my son took a picture of us. Exclusive was, on the beauty podcast. He was Rock amazing. Rocket's a cool dude. That's so, so nice. cool. He was so cool and so approachable and so kind of just, just kind of felt just very happy to be there. That's it was so really, nice. as opposed to some of the other people in the movie who weren't. Well, yeah, because having interviewed celebrities for 15 years, I can tell you, and maybe it's just me, but often if you meet a celebrity and they say, I'll be right back, what that means is you ain't never seeing me again. Well, that's what I was expecting, right? So, and not only that, he came back and he stood in front of me and I was completely shocked. So I was like, oh, and he goes, and I was like, oh, now I can have my picture. He's, yeah. He was amazing. And I'm a big fan now. It's an obvious obvious (laughs) question, but people do translate differently from film to real life. Is he as chiseled in the flesh? Well, that's interesting because um, I saw Lizzie Kaplan, who was also in the movie. And in the movie, Allied, she plays his sister, and she looked absolutely gorgeous in the movie. But in real life, I seriously could have walked straight past her. I mean, she was doing a lovely dress. I did compliment her on her dress. <laughs> but um, she, she doesn't look as good as she did, uh, you know, in film. But he looks um, smaller. Mm-hmm. He's just a little bit taller than me. Um, and not as big in terms of, like, he just looks much more imposing on mm-hmm. camera. So I don't know if it's the way they film him or who they cast him next to, who, you know, obviously much smaller people. Yeah. Um, and in the movie, it looked like he'd, you know, he was, he had a lot more weight on him. I don't know. He's had some stress recently, so maybe he's <laughs> lost some weight. I don't know. But um, no, but he's pretty hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. My friend went to the premiere of Magic Mike, and he's a, a, a weightlifting fanatic. And he was, he was desperate to see like Channing Tatum and the guys, just to see how built they were. And he was so disappointed because he said they were wimps. If they'd come and bench press next to me, I would have been like, what? Because they look big on camera, exactly. but actually in real life, they're quite small. <laughs> so it is have you ever met Tom Cruise? If I met Tom Cruise, it would have been what I would have led with when I rang the doorbell. <laughs> uh, I am obsessed with him. I want to... Because he's tiny, you know that. I don't care. I really genuinely don't care. I think he's amazing. I forget everything else, but the, the guy is just... The guy hangs off a plane and he's like 55 years old. Yeah. And well, Brad does similar. Are we going to have a Brad Tom like competition here? <laughs> <laughs> we should do. We should do. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm mildly obsessed with Tom and I think that we would be really good friends if we met. So I'm just putting it out there, Mr. <laughs> Cruz. If you ever want me to come and stay with you at your ranch, I will. Um... But I'd probably be the overprotective girlfriend. I'm taking this too far. I wouldn't want him to do his own stunts for Top Gun 2. Yeah, what about the whole Scientology thing? That's a whole nother. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen one of those Scientology documentaries? Um, I want to watch the Louis Theroux one because I listened to yeah. a podcast with him and I think it was Mark Mar- Marin where they talked about him doing the Scientology documentary and it sounded fascinating and I liked the approach that Louis took. Have you? I haven't seen Louis' one, but I've seen a couple of others, and I think it's quite fascinating. I mean, it's, it's very much based on psychology mm. and, and the need to believe and the need for something. So I think, I think it's pretty interesting. Mm. I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying it's, it's yeah. you know, it, it, was, it was contrived out of something. I mean, mm. it was manufactured yeah. for that specific reason. So I think it's very interesting. Yeah, I, it's one of those things that I always... It's one of the things that's on my list of things to get around to learning about, just because it's quite a... It's one of those topics that... It's quite a controversial topic, so I'd be yeah. glad to be quite well-read on it. But anyway, let's... Um, that's our Brad talk. <laughs> He's not going to turn up, is he? Not today, no. Not today. Yeah. But if your phone goes, I'm going to assume that it's him. <laughs> I did try and give him my card last night. <laughs> <laughs> for, for your baby... Uh, baby my business card. <laughs> That would have been amazing. So what would he... He rings you up and says, hey, thanks for your card. I'm really interested in baby to body. What's your... I'm looking for investors. Yeah. (laughs) I'm fundraising right now. Are you? Yes. Brad. Um, What's your elevator pitch to Brad Pitt about baby to body to get him to invest? 
Okay, so there's the date and there's the investment. Let's park the date for a minute. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're nearly single. Um, my elevator <laughs> so pitch. Time you said <laughs> I know, I know. Just kind of, you know, mulling it over, mm-hmm. putting it out there. As, as, we, you, as, as, as he you will do. be. As he will be. <laughs> I know one of my friends posted this morning, Brad's all over Facebook saying he met Mel last night. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, of course. So my elevator pitch to him would be that um, he could be really instrumental in helping me to deliver what I want to do, Mm -hmm. which is create a generation of healthier babies. Mm -hmm. And to do that, I have to build a massively huge company and a brand that women believe in. Mm -hmm. And um, to do that, I need some money. <laughs> it's not only hard work, it's lots of money as well. Mm. So um, that would be my elevator pitch. He's mm. quite a humanitarian, so it yeah. might strike a chord with him. Definitely. That's my vision. Yes. So tell me about how baby to body... I keep thinking body to baby. <laughs> baby to body. Tell me how that all started. So I came to live in the UK in 1994 and um, newly married and my ex-husband, my husband at the time was working in the city and I fell pregnant quite quickly and went along to my NHS GP, which is a whole new experience for me coming from South Africa. And when I asked him if I could still exercise and I was an aerobics instructor and I was you know, running five kilometers a day, I was super, super fit. Um, he kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, oh, well, you know, take it easy. And I was completely gobsmacked. And, and I said, well, wh- what do you mean? Can I exercise? Can I not exercise? Mm. How much should I do? When? You know, what do I have to look out for? How do I change things? Uh, what do I have to eat? And it was all very kind of like high level and there wasn't a lot of information. And I was very anxious about it. So I didn't know if I could or I couldn't mm-hmm. exercise and how hard I could exercise. So this is 1994. Mm-hmm. And the internet was in its infancy. There wasn't very much on there. It was mm. dial-up modems and things like that. <laughs> like a dinosaur, but anyway. And um, so I just set about trying to understand what I could do and really was about me. So it was driven by two things. Number one is um, I was anxious about doing something wrong mm-hmm. and I didn't want to harm my baby. And the second thing was I actually still wanted to maintain my fitness and I wanted to look good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Of course. You know, I didn't want to let everything that I've worked so hard for and my health mm-hmm. and my well-being and my, and my looks just go. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't find anything. And um, so I went off to the States to do a pre-postnatal course. The only one I could find, which was in Virginia, in um, <laughs> like nine months, eight, well, seven and a half months pregnant, I went to do this course, which my whole family thought I was completely insane. But um, anyway, I did it. And I came back. It was only like a three-week course. so um, And I learned a ton about sort of what you can or can't do. And then I started reading um, a lot of literature. And it was all kind of academic literature from Professor James um, Clapp in Tufts University, who um, had studied the physiological benefits of exercise during pregnancy and what the stress is on the fetus and things like that. So there was a lot of academic studies, but there wasn't any kind of mainstream, oh, this is what you should do. This is how you do a sit-up. This is how you do a squat. This is how you run. And this is how you should swim. And this is how you should Mm. adjust your posture. And these are simple exercises you could do at home. So what I did is I took all of that content and information and and I kind of formulated a way of exercising while I was pregnant. And then afterwards as well so what happened was I had Ricky my son and then started exercising a lot and doing my kind of system Mm -hmm. got back into shape really quickly and before I knew it I was in demand as a trainer and as an aerobics instructor I was teaching classes all over London um, and that was how it started and then I realized I'm onto something (laughs) and so I kind of gave it a name and I thought I have to make this into proper business. So I kind of be, started being a little bit more kind of structured about what I was doing. And I built it into a really nice lifestyle business. I had lots of people coming to me for training. I built a studio at the back of my house. I used to rent other pla- other places during the week. At one stage, I had about seven people working for me as trainers. I trained them all up. We were teaching classes all over London. Hundreds of people coming to our classes. 
And then, in, you know, I ran it as a really nice lifestyle business. And then in 2009, I, I thought, you know, I'm getting to hundreds of women, but I want to get to millions. Mm. I want to take this message because still nobody was doing what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so I did something a little bit strange. I felt that it, I was too close to what I was doing. So I kind of took a step back and stopped everything mm -hmm. in order to kind of regroup and think about if I'm going to make a scalable global business, what does that mean? And how, and how can I do that? Because it was, it was a physical business. It was me being a part of it. It was other people going to people's, you know, going to church halls and running classes. And it was great, but mm. it could, it wasn't scalable in that um, format. Right. So um, I went back to university and I enrolled for a master's in sports psychology. And what I wanted to do was to give myself an academic framework about what I was, what I was doing anyway. Mm. So I was doing the whole mind-body. I had a degree in psychology, but I, wasn't, um, I didn't have a master's. And so what I wanted to do is say, okay, how, how do people use content? How, what is going to change people's behavior? How do they change their behavior? Mm. And what is the best way to make them change their behavior and to motivate them and inspire them to live better? And I mean, also, you know, this whole like obesity crisis in this country and the NHS is suffering and mm. all of that. I thought, look, there's a way to actually do something really meaningful and to use my life's work in a way that's that's actually going to help another generation. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I set out to do. So um, it was really, really hard. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I have two kids. One was, you know, a single parent. I got divorced at that point. Uh, my son was doing GCSEs. And my daughter was um, kind of in year six. And I went back to university full time. So I was literally studying all day. And then I was teaching classes in the evening because I had to still earn a living. And then trying to be mom in between and cook meals. And yeah, it was, it was wow, interesting. And I did it in a year instead of two because I just thought if I'm going to If I'm going to do it, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, yeah. I just got to get it done. Mm. Um, so I did it and it was incredible. And it actually, it enabled me in a way to take a step back from mm. what I was doing because it wasn't, it wasn't anything commercial. It was purely academic. And um, it, it made me kind of rethink the way that I was doing things and my thought processes, the analytical processes, to be a lot more kind of um, critical about my own way of thinking. There's something about taking a step back or busying yourself that allows the part of your brain that's normally working on the main thing to percolate. And it, it does tick over and it moves forward when you're not when you're not paying attention to it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I think you need that processing mm. time. It's, it's, I always say to, to people, it's like having the movie play in your head, right? You, mm -hmm. you watch the movie of what you're doing, of what you have been doing, yeah. in a way that's like not, that you're not part of it. Yeah. So once you take a step back, you're able to see things that potentially, you know, or perhaps when you were in it, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to see them. Yeah. So you can see much clearer. clearer. And if it's a movie, you can see the bigger picture, right? Mm -hmm. You can see the whole picture. Are we using so, a movie analogy to get back to bread? <laughs> <laughs> Anything. <laughs> I'm all bread today. <laughs> all about bread. You really are with bread high. It looks very good. It looks impressive. But um, so you did it in a year and in that time, so that was 2009. Yeah. And taking the year to do the acad academic side of things and also obviously run a house still, everything seemed to sort of fall into place about how you wanted to move forward? Oh, absolutely. And it was, um, it was my kind of grand plan that, um, that I was absolutely intent on making happen and work for me. Mm. Um, I'm not saying it was easy. It wasn't easy at all. But I'm so glad that I did it because it was really um, kind of like what it did was it just it set me apart from, you know, kind of other people who were doing or, or potentially who were doing similar things. It gave me a way to kind of think in a bigger way, in a more global way, yeah. more kind of analytical. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was great. So how did it change the business? So actually just after that I was, um, and this is, a, the, I call it the second part of my, my master's, I was recruited to join um, Philips, an electronics company mm -hmm. in Amsterdam. 
and my job was really and they were looking for someone who was kind of like they said oh you're a a round peg fitting into a square hole whatever anyway so I was completely maverick compared to the pe- the normal people they would hire in a corporate mm-hmm. so I was this original thinker I'd been an entrepreneur and that's what they wanted so they wanted somebody to come in sort of into their consumer health and well-being innovation program and innovation really is about thinking differently right mm-hmm. it's not doing the same thing you've always done before and so I was there to basically inspire them and to help them think differently about products and services for health and well-being oh wow so yeah it was in the most amazing opportunity I absolutely loved it and I couldn't believe I got like a check at the end of the month because I was having so much fun. I was like, oh, I got paid. That's nice. And after being in my own business, it was, you know, always struggling, you know, you've you got to pay the rent, you've got to pay people first before you take anything. Um, and then it was like, yeah, okay, I just got a check. That was nice. So, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And that enabled me to really immerse myself in technology. So I spent a, a lot of time at the high tech campus in Eindhoven, which is about an hour and a half from um, Amsterdam looking at sort of what these engineers were creating and discovering and making so it was software there were devices there was you know kind of um sensors and things that were in people's bodies on people's bodies i mean the most incredible things that you can think about Mm -hmm. and can't even think about were being discovered and made there with no real purpose about how people were going to use them so the engineers tend to be quite disconnected Mm -hmm. from the business unit and the business unit is you know thinking about sort of commercially what's working in the in in the world now and not really thinking oh yeah this is going to be the next big thing in 20 years time or Mm -hmm. five years time so my job was kind of to link those two things together and to take the stuff that was coming out of R&D research and development and say okay these are the things that I think are going to work in products and services of the future and here are my plans and ideas so it was a the wow. coolest job oh, it was amazing that sounds like a lot of fun yeah it was a lot of fun but I was also traveling to Amsterdam every week so that was hard oh yeah that is quite my poor well. children yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a scarf mother every Did night Oh, did they? Well, yeah, I'd Skype them in the evening after work because I would spend um, like Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday in Amsterdam and then fly back. Gosh. Yeah. Crikey. That's quite intense. Yeah, it was pretty intense too, yeah. Well, I know that one of the subjects I wanted to come on to later was stress and I feel like given everything you've, you've done, you may have experienced some of that in your life, but post-Phillips, um, what's now happening with... Yeah, so 2013, I came back to the UK and I thought, look, I really need to to do Baby to Body again as a as a kind of global platform, as a way to get to millions of women. And um, and still, nobody was really doing that in the market. So I kind of put together a PowerPoint presentation of what I thought I wanted to do. And the first thing I did was um, I started looking up sort of funding, grants and things like that. And I met, and then I started networking. I went to every single health tech meetup, network event. I mean, I was there whenever mm-hmm. there was. And I met so many people and I asked everybody um, who I should meet, what mm-hmm. I should be doing. And I just, I just did it, basically. It was a huge amount of effort. Mm-hmm. But what that enabled me to do is kind of navigate my way through the options, the funding options, you know, what was going on in the market, mm-hmm. really understand what, what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a technology strategy board grant, which is, um, it's called Innovate UK now, but it was called the TSB before. And really I had to, you know, it was about sort of giving me a little bit of money to give me that first step. So it was incredible op- it was an incredible gift actually because mm-hmm. it was just a grant of £50,000 wow. and I was able to stop what I was doing really devote myself to this new business what did this new business mean I started mm-hmm. talking to women and pregnant women and and um, new moms and midwives and doctors and trying to discover like is there still a problem and what is the problem that I'm trying to fix mm-hmm. and is it fixable and if it is fixable what do I need to do to fix that problem mm-hmm. So that was great. And then once I realized that actually what I set out to do right in the very beginning was still an issue, mm-hmm. um, that only validated it for me. And then I went out into the market and I started meeting all these people that I'd met before and investors. And I got my first chunk of funding, which was £120,000. Wow. On a PowerPoint presentation. Oh, that's a palace. That's... 
<laughs> so I literally had to do the best selling job ever. Yeah. What what keeps you going? I'm always interested in people who start their own businesses. So if somebody wants to um, interact with uh, Baby's Body now, what are the ways in which you can do it? Do they go online and find you? Is it an app? Yeah, so so we started out with a landing page, which is basically like, you know, one page on a website. And, you know, I didn't know if anybody wanted this. Mm-hmm. And it was like, sign up for daily emails. But they were non-existent at that point. <laughs> it's because I had to test it. I wasn't going to yeah. build this whole system and spend all this money if yeah. nobody actually cared about this. So the first few hundred signed up, um, did some Facebook ads, drove people to the landing page. And before long, we had like 500 people signed up. So that was, we launched it on, well, I launched on the end, the end of December. Actually, the 24th of December, we put the landing page up. By the 20th of January, we had like 500 people. Wow. So we launched an email service, which is um, basically tips on fitness, nutrition, well-being, and beauty for every single day of pregnancy. So wow. I spent a lot of time wow. over that period of time taking a lot of my kind of the, the notes and the, um, the columns I'd written and, you know, like pulling all of the ideas that I had, mm-hmm. I kind of sort of in my head and on my computer and in my old notes and, you know, from the book that I'd, re- that I'd written. Um, and I pulled all of that together and I kind of reformatted you know, gave it a, a 2015 kind of vibe. And, you know, because now it's for millennials, it's, um, I'm a lot older than my consumer group. Um, and we launched with that. And um, today we have a half a million people on the platform. So we have an app, an iOS app. Mm-hmm. And we still have the landing page, the, the website. And people get daily emails and they can also go onto the app. Um, so and how get... many days are you pregnant? Because that's so you have to have... 267. So you have to have 267 <laughs> emails, and if someone signs up and they say, I'm three and a half months pregnant, they start at day... Exactly. So we work, yeah. We do a countdown to the day that you give birth, and um, so we have unique algorithms that, um, that we formulated with our data scientists um, that will give you the information you specifically need for every single day of pregnancy. So if you're 129 days pregnant, you will get the the information about your food Mm -hmm. based on the growth of the baby. So for example, in the week, or whatever, a week, I I forget, um, like say week 29, the brain is growing a lot during that time. So you need a lot more magnesium and folate and omegas. And so in the text and in the content of that week, we will give you different ways of getting those ingredients um, and those nutrients. And we'll give you recipes and we'll tell you why you should have them. Mm -hmm. And all the content is really kind of, it's very empowering. So it's not meant to be, you know, like a lot of um, kind of pregnancy stuff. You look at it and it goes, yeah, so you'll get varicose veins. um, And that's it. So, yeah, you'll get them. But it doesn't tell you why. And it doesn't tell you how to stop them or prevent them or, you know, mm. anything to do with kind of taking action. I so what I set out to do... I've so, not had children, but I've seen friends who've fallen pregnant and then they've started to look at all the information and they, the colour just drains from their face because it's, it's, it seems overwhelming and it seems suddenly very, very frightening. Exactly. But well, it's not. This is what... Um, well, so we've taken all of that stuff and so we've said, okay, so today... On your 59th day of pregnancy, you don't need to know what's going to happen in six months' time if there's nothing you can do about it right Mm -hmm. now. If there is something you can do about it, we will help you to do that today. But if there isn't, and if it's it's overwhelming and scary, we're not going to tell you, right? We can take you through it as a, a kind of you know, we're right next to you, we're your best friend, we're the yep. expert, we're sitting in your back pocket, we're sitting on your mobile phone, anytime you need us, you can check what's going on. And we just hold their hand right through pregnancy. And actually we have content for three years afterwards as well. Because I think new moms need a lot of help. Yeah. So we take them right through that, but we don't overwhelm them every day. We give them once a week. But there's like seven pieces of content every week. So there's a lot of stuff. So the thing... Is- I know that you people get the emails, but the thing I'm getting is, do people get to see you? Because I would feel a lot calmer if you were saying <laughs> this to me. Like, do you still do yeah. your one-to-ones or classes? No, I don't, actually. Um, but I have been asked to do um, podcasts um, and webinars on our website, which, which 
we're thinking of doing um, next year. But all the content is basically me. So any of the so we have different kinds of content. So we have the free content, which is tips, mm-hmm. and they're short and sharp and very actionable, and they give you like quick updates, not longer than eighty words each. And then we have the premium content, which is the way that we make money. Mm-hmm. So we sell um, a subscription for nine ninety nine a month. And we give a ton more information. So that is recipes and video recipes and um, videos on me talking about nutrition or fitness or fitness ideas. We also have a lot of infographics, pretty much one for every day. And the infographics are everything from how to kind of do a a quick beauty face that you look look perkier (laughs) than you feel. Um, down to um, meditation ideas or visualization or um, how to do a squat properly or how to you know do an abdominal exercise when you're six months pregnant Mm. Um, and it takes you through step by step so we also have another thing which is called um, which we've called listen and do which are mini podcasts and it's only about two to three minutes and it talks you through an exercise or a visualization or a meditation. Oh, wow. And that's all me. Yeah. So if you get premium, yeah, you will, yeah, you will have me <laughs> in your ears, yeah, on the videos. Ah, it's really interesting. And so that was 2000, December 2015. Yeah, so we launched that and um, then we got more funding at the beginning of this year. And last year I had two people working for me. And last year was all about kind of figuring out in 2015 was figuring out you know what people want do they like more fitness what kind of fitness things they are so we did tons of consumer interviews and and really trying to understand what the product market fit is and that's one of the key things when you have a product is does you know does the market want your product Mm. if you think it does and the market doesn't then you're in trouble it's never gonna happen (laughs) yeah but once you get that product market fit yeah it's it's magic. It literally is magic because yeah. then suddenly things start happening and yeah. it's like so exciting. And so so we I think we kind of got there at the end of last year because we had fifty thousand subscribers on the eighth of December last year, and now we have five hundred thousand. So we've grown grown ten times, which is amazing for a startup. It's mm. incredible. Everyone wants to grow 10x. 10x is the thing. Oh, 10x is the one. Oh, yeah, 10x, yeah, it's 10x. I did a, a talk at an, an award ceremony recently, and I called it How to 10x Your Blogging Life. And then one of the girls came up to me before I went on and said, what does 10 times mean? And I was like, oh, it's 10x. It's, it's, very, it's, it's very San Francisco. <laughs> it is. <laughs> the only reason I did it is because I knew it was trending. So rather than just saying how, I, the original, it was originally called How to Maximize Your Blogging Life. And I changed it to 10x to make it more searchable. Hey, you're a marketing genius. You have a job. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yes, yes, I do. I'm hiring. (laughs) Um... Tell me about, um, one of the things I'm truly fascinated by is that thing of having an idea and having really believing in something enough to start to put it out into the world, which is what you did with the business. But it's not come overnight, it's not happened overnight. How do you keep focused? How do you keep the momentum going? Well, I think it's hard. Mm. It's hard. I mean, there's some days that I... That I I'm exhausted. Yeah. But I think you can't start anything if you're not passionate about it. And mm-hmm. it has to be not something that you think, 
oh yeah, I want to start a business. Mm, let me think what I can do. Mm. That's the wrong thing to mm-hmm. do. People who come to me and go, I really want to do a startup. Like, it's not like going for lunch. <laughs> you know, just do a startup. It doesn't just like, you know, it's just, like saying I want to be famous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want to be famous. So what are you doing about it? Well, I'm thinking about how I can be famous. You know, it's just, it's completely bizarre. But I do get that a lot. People mm-hmm. say, I really want to do a startup because now it's cool and trendy to have a startup, but it's hard. But is that not really easy for you? So do you have a mentor? Because I feel like if somebody comes to me and they say, I really want to be a beauty journalist, blogger, brand consultant, whatever, I'm like, oh, nice. But if someone says to me, I'm really passionate about X, Y, and Z, and I think I would add value by blah, 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 because of these skills, I have something to work with. But just saying I want to be is quite empty. So I think you have to be passionate about what you're doing. You have to feel that it's worthwhile, not only because you have the potential to earn Mm -hmm. money but also because you believe that it has to be done Mm -hmm. and unless you believe it has to be done you're not going to do it Mm. and it has to be done on such a deep level Mm -hmm. that you can't let it go if it consumes you 24 7 that's when you do it Mm -hmm. if it doesn't then you can't do it or don't do it Mm -hmm. because there's just it sometimes it's it's thankless i mean i can have you know a day where in the morning something amazing happens and then like two hours later I'm feeling like oh my god am I actually doing this what am I doing it's crazy this is the worst thing in the whole wide world and then an hour later I have a meeting with an investor who wants to give me a million pounds for my business and I was like oh yeah no this is pretty cool that's in one day <laughs> it's a roller coaster oh yeah yeah but it's not a roller coaster yeah I'm have good weeks and bad weeks it's like a roller coaster every hour yeah so unless you're going to be able to hold on for the bad times yeah. and ride through the good times, because you can't coast when you get to the good times mm. either. You know, you've still got to be pushing forward. You, there's no coasting, especially in a startup like this, in this environment. And there's lots of startups. I spent the summer in Silicon Valley. We did um, a five, the 500 Startups Accelerator Program. So What? That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Tell me about that. It was amazing. So, I don't know if I should tell you how I got in. Did you enter a competition? Did you get a wristband? <laughs> it wasn't Did Brad Pitt make it happen? It wasn't an advert in a newspaper. No, I basically got a call that um, I was invited to pitch to get into this 500 Startups program. And I had a lunch beforehand and I wasn't quite sure if I was going to do it or not. And, you know, I wasn't really fundraising at that point. Anyway, after the lunch, I pretty much popped in to the place where they were having this pitching competition, and I was the last one in, and they said, oh, great, you're here, handed me the microphone, a minute later, I was on stage, and all I said was what I was doing and why I believed in it, Mm -hmm. and I got a phone call when I went back to the office, I was the only person that was offered to go ahead with 500 startups, Mm -hmm. and they gave me some investment, and they chose us to go to Silicon Valley for three months and be a part of this this accelerator program. So a week and a half later, I was in Silicon Valley in Mountain View in the office with a sign above my head that said baby to body (laughs) at 500 startups meeting the head of um, Pinterest product and the head of um, you name and Google people were in and out of the office all day like the most incredible did you meet Tim Ferriss no I didn't <laughs> I think he's lived nearby <laughs> it was probably at our demo day actually there was so the third person in the room Genevieve is laughing because the last time I did a podcast with one of your clients <laughs> I was like, was you ever met Tim Ferriss? <laughs> he always has to make an appearance. I know. It's like Ale- me and Brad. Yeah. It's like the Brad exactly. thing all over again. But if any, but Alexia's probably going to make it happen. She, yeah. If not, then she will. <laughs> um, right. So that's a sudden, that's, that's a gear shift to suddenly yes. be in Silicon Valley. It was, a, it was a massive, massive shift. And I think, um, you know, somebody asked me the other day what, um, what I learned from it. And I think... Now that I have had time to kind of process it, because mm. it was pretty intense. I can imagine. It was pretty intense. Because also, I was running the business in the UK. I took two of my staff members with me. So I would wake up at 
4.30 in the morning, I have 5 o'clock in the morning calls with my team in London. Oh, okay. I thought you just did that because you wanted to. <laughs> no, it was not the calls. And I would be on the treadmill talking to them in London. Otherwise, I wouldn't have time to work out. And um, I would do all my calls and then get to the Mountain View office at 9 o'clock in the morning and then do a full day's work with my team there and then finish um, talking to my my editor who lives in New York. So I was running a business on three time zones, which was so hard <laughs> and it was, it was really challenging. But even you describing that to me, it sounds amazing. It's like, that's what my life should be like. Damn, why am I not, why am I not making phone calls on the treadmill? That's what I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of huffing and puffing. <laughs> it sounds really glamorous and amazing. And, and like you're making stuff happen is basically the picture in my head is it's happening. Yeah, it's happening. Mm. A lot's happening. And did it feel like that at the time? So 500 startups, so you're there with 499 other startup businesses. No, so they have invested in... So they call themselves 500 Startups. That's the name of the accelerator. So there were 40 people on the program, and they do that um, every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's three there's three um, offices in the US. I think it's... Um, there's one in San Francisco... And Mountain View, and I think there's another one. Oh, no, those are the only two in the US, I think. Um, so we were the in the Mountain View, which is like the heart of Silicon Valley. So we had the most unbelievable speakers. I can't even begin to tell you because it would be obnoxious name dropping of who came to talk to us. We spent six hours on Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, but <he's> Brad. <laughs> you can name drop it. Fine. No, we just had amazing people who are so kind of plugged into the whole startup world, talking about fundraising and building a product and understanding consumers and growth hacking and marketing. And, you know, even we had someone from Facebook came to give us three hours on how to do Facebook advertising and what words to use and what yeah. pictures to to use and what not to do. And um, it's, it's a science. It's amazing. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. And that, for me as a CEO, took me up a gear, definitely. Mm. Um, what I heard a lot was that I underplay what I've built. So even my investors here say, be more American, be more American male. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter said, yes, she's going to start calling me dad. Why do you think you underplay it? Is it, is it just a... So actually, this is interesting because the, um, the head of the kind of one of our investors said to me the other day and he's a he's an American guy um, he happens to be gay he happens to be black as well and he said to me so is this a, like a like a female thing well, what's going on here why do you underplay this he said because I have guys coming in here who are doing a quarter of what you're doing and they make it sound like they are taking over the world he said you actually are and you don't say it so uh, he literally kicked my butt basically you have to unpick that. Why do you yeah. think it is? I've, I think I've, I've heard this numerous times over the last year. Numerous. From mm. the UK, investors, from people in the ecosystem, from the US, a lot. A lot more from the US. Mm. And I think it's... I think it is a, a female thing, unfortunately. Mm. I have to say. I think we've been conditioned to underplay what we do. And to not oversell it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I also, um, I had a, a, the nutritionist, um, Henrietta Norton on from Wild Nutrition recently. And we were talking about stress. And we were talking about the fact that women will take, will carry much more burden than men will emotionally and physically. And um, spiritually. And actually it kind of plays into what you're saying guys will go yeah what we're doing is amazing because to them it really really is whereas you whereas women would be more likely to see it as part of the process to the continuing work as opposed to enjoying the mini moments so maybe it's that as well like to you what is amazing is well yes obviously because I'm working towards this yeah exactly yeah so for me I want to get to five million subscribers mm. and 5 million users by the end of 2017 so I'm only at half a million but 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not being negative. Mm. It's just, it's a process. It's where I'm going. Mm. You know, maybe when I get there, I'll be like, no, I want 10 million. I don't know, which will be really dumb, but I have to enjoy the moment. Totally. But, but it's like uh, someone uh, was, we were having this exact conversation with a friend over dinner recently. And the analogy I used was it's like a relay. It's like the way that women think a lot of the time is um, if you're in a relay race, you pass the baton. And when do you cheer? You cheer at the end. But there's some people who cheer every time they pass the baton. <laughs> Yay, we did it faster than the other team. But, but you can't. You, I think there's, if you're quite focused on a goal, you never quite stop to celebrate the baton changes. Yeah, but that's something that I'm trying to change. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, to learn that. Because I think it's really important for my team as well, because it's, it's my vision. Mm-hmm. Okay, So it's my ultimate vision that they've brought into to come and work for me. Mm-hmm. And I know that what drives them every single day to get out of bed and come and do an amazing job for me is not necessarily 100% what drives me mm-hmm. so I'm on this mission I'm on you know it's my vision but I brought them into that so they didn't have that vision mm-hmm. they bought into my vision which is amazing and it's really empowering for me and for them and it's great to have them on my team but then you know we need to celebrate the little things mm-hmm. and that's something that I've learned in the last year is really just taking that time. So we have Prosecco Fridays when we do oh, good things. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's really important. And, you know, when we do good things, we're high-fiving in the office and we're yeah. saying we're amazing and we've got our results, you know, and our, our kind of metrics up on a board. And I do now take the time, but I have to think about it. Mm. I have to think about taking the time to actually congratulate them, to encourage them and to actually really kind of enjoy the little moments of the wins mm. because it's energizing as well boosts you onto the next thing doesn't it yeah exactly rocket ship <laughs> so, rocket fuel yeah. and that's not just the prosecco no <laughs> but it's it is stop, yeah stopping to smell the roses and just enjoy yeah yeah it's really important and it's also about being in that day and that moment mm. and looking how far you've come because otherwise it's a hard slog and then if you have a week or, or three weeks that are seriously difficult and then you just feel knocked and then you think you know what am I doing but if you do take that time and that you kind of step back a little mm-hmm. bit and say okay yes this is what we're doing great and this is what we have to improve on but then it's still part of the process and mm-hmm. you can at least enjoy it yeah now when I arrived other than Brad Pitt we talked about a couple of things over the breakfast bar as we were making hot drinks and we talked about stress and we talked about something that you're doing that I'd really like because you obviously know what you're talking about when it comes to physiognomy and the body and um, the good things that you can do and the bad things that you can do. And you say that you fast, and I really want to unpick this because it is. I haven't read anything that suggests that it has any kind of negative impact on the body, but obviously it's a very hard thing to do in Western culture. <laughs> So how did you, how and when did you start fasting and what so are your I, reasons? Yeah, so I started about three months ago, three, four months ago. And um, I was talking to a friend and, and I'd been reading up on this kind of intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that um, I worry about, or not worry all the time, but concerns me is that um, there's a lot of diseases that you start getting over 50. And... I think there's also a lot of things that you can do with your body that we that we don't tap into. Mm. And I also feel like I have to be on top of my game all the time. Mm-hmm. So I started doing a little bit of reading and we were having, we were having a discussion and he had been to a talk on someone who does um, who, who's a cancer specialist and he had evidence to support um, fasting as a way to kind of not cure cancer but hold cancer cells mm-hmm. growth. Mm-hmm. So I was completely intrigued and I started doing a little bit of reading and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to try this. So the first time I did it, it was so hard. I was in such a bad mood. <laughs> you did not want to be around me. Tell me what your, tw- was it 24 hours? Yeah, so I started doing, tw- so I did about 18 hours to start And what it. time did you start? So I did it, I decided to do it on a Monday. Mm-hmm. And I ate uh, a very light dinner on Sunday night, um, mainly protein at about seven o'clock and then I just had you know kind of chamomile tea before I went to bed and then didn't eat anything until um kind of like five Mm o'clock four or five o'clock for the first time 
and I found it difficult. And then when I did it, each time I've been doing it, I found it easier and easier. Mm. And now I do it without even thinking about it. I did it yesterday. So you do 20, a full Sunday so night I dinner? So I do like a 20, 25, 26 hour. So mm-hmm. Sunday night dinner to Monday evening. Um, and then I have something really light. So mm-hmm. last night I only ate at like 9.30. I had something really light. And then um, what I've been trying as well is not only these 24 hour, but um, 16 hours. So there's two different schools of thought. Yeah, there's different ways of doing it. So you can do the, the longer ones of 24 to 48 or mm-hmm. 36 or 48 hours fast, which you just take water or herbal teas during that time. Or you can do daily intermittent fasting, and they call it intermittent fasting. It's a, I forget the name, but there's a, it's kind of a, a process. Mm-hmm. And that is a 16-hour fast. So last week I tried to do this. I did it most days last week. Um, so you eat dinner and then you don't eat. So you, it's 16 and 8. So you, you fast for 16 hours and you eat only during, during an 8 hour. hours. Okay. So that was having dinner the night before and then only eating lunch at or, or something at like 1 o'clock. And then not eating past 8 o'clock in the evening. Wow. So that was, that was pretty cool as well. I actually quite like that too. Okay. In fact, I did it on Sunday, which is quite difficult to do being around you know doing different things but I was very busy on Sunday so I managed to do it but it's it's just amazing I mean I'm so sharp on a Monday I'm absolutely the clarity of thought that I have is incredible I feel completely energized what's your diet like normally are you are you do you eat everything you're a vegan what's your oh no I'm I'm definitely not a vegan (laughs) (laughs) I'm South African carnivore (laughs) (laughs) No, I like, um, I don't eat a lot of sugar at all. Uh, I don't eat a huge amount of fruit. I eat lots of vegetables, salad, and meat, fish, and chicken, really. I mean, I eat very, very kind of... So you're not going from an ex- like paleo or anything like that. You're going from quite a normal, regular Yeah, diet. so normally I would have like an egg in the, in the morning or some kind of maybe some uh, oat porridge or yogurt um, with some fruit and like or berries and then at lunch I may have um, a small salad with either salmon or chicken and then dinner I'll have meat fish or chicken with um, with vegetables so yeah pretty boring <laughs> especially no but then I like to eat out mm. but I don't eat I never ever order dessert ever you're lucky not to have a sweet tooth. Yeah, I'm just it's just not my thing. I was out with a friend last night who said that the only reason he runs is because he's got such a sweet tooth. It's like if he didn't, he just wouldn't be in good shape. But he can't resist. It's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the one thing about fasting, actually, is I couldn't... I can't think about eating anything sweet for, like, three days afterwards. It's just amazing because it, it, like, eliminates that kind of need to have any carbs or anything mm. sugary but if you're tired then you can't do it that's one thing you need sleep okay yeah so it's really hard to do if you don't if you can't sleep one of the things so, so a few years ago i did a, a feature for um a magazine and went and had all this uh fitness testing and, and whatnot and i got talking to the guy who was doing it dean he was fascinating really really nice guy and he did intermittent fasting and he was telling me, so he was like putting in all the data and everything. We were having a sort of a light chat about it. And the only thing that I got from intermittent fasting is I would say that a lot of my friends and myself included do it without meaning to regularly because we're so rubbish at sitting down and having breakfast. So we'll get up, rush around, maybe go for a run, maybe pop to the gym. I know that people buy juices and stuff these days, but you can suddenly find yourself at two, three o'clock in the afternoon and you haven't eaten anything, you've just had a couple of coffees. Um, and so that's why I personally had never been quite drawn to the intermittent fasting. <laughs> but the idea of the, um, as I told you before, the 24-hour to 72-hour fasting is, is growing in popularity in terms of, for the, for the real tangible health benefits. And the fact that you say that you have clarity of mind when you do it is very appealing. Yeah, I just think um, I'm absolutely at my best on a Monday when I'm not eating. So now I've started doing that twice a week, a Monday and a Wednesday. So Tuesday I'll eat, mm-hmm. and then I won't eat on Wednesday, like this week. I didn't eat yesterday, I won't eat tomorrow. 
and I, it, it's it's amazing because it just first of all it takes out the choices of like am I going to eat am I not going to eat mm-hmm. so you just don't even worry about it I, I focus on my work a hundred percent and I just I just find it completely energizing invigorating um, and I'm sure it must be doing good things for my body mm-hmm. inside have you noticed anything other than other than losing weight uh, my skin yes um, like after a fast and I, I just feel like my skin my eyes are clearer um, I need less sleep mm-hmm. I sleep better um, I'm much more positive. I mean, I'm positive most of the time anyway, but I, I, I just feel less sluggish. Mm. Um, I'm able to work out better. Because even if you try to eat clean, you're still ingesting some form of toxin or something that can maybe slow down your system. It's really interesting. Yeah, I, I'm completely fascinated that it's worked so well. Because I was really... I was not anti it, but I didn't think I could work because I always had like low blood sugar and mm-hmm. if I didn't eat for three hours and then I'd have to have something and I would always feel a little bit kind of, you know, I'm is getting into a bad mood. This is what I was testing mainly. So I put myself through all these tests. Like to <laughs> test. Crazy woman. But um, <laughs> I was thinking, can I actually do this? Am I able to do this? I'm able to start a business and do what I need to do. This is this is nothing, mm-hmm. right? and actually, it's really not that difficult. And I do think it's mind over matter. And what it does is it makes you feel like there's a term in psychology called self-efficacy, which is the belief in yourself, mm-hmm. and it definitely increases my self-efficacy because if I can do that and I can control that with my mind, what can't you do? That's true. Like it's the one thing. I mean, it's an hunger is not a. It's not, it's not a choice. It's a physiological drive, right? Mm-hmm. So you are driven to feed your body because you have a need to survive mm-hmm. and it's instinct. But if you can control that, you can do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it's very, I find it very empowering. But not in the, we must think, put the caveat of not in an extreme way. No, 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 <laughs> no. No, I mean, you know, this is what I want to achieve this week. Um, it, it enables me to also for me it kind of says um, right this is the week the week is starting mm-hmm. and I have you know these goals to do I'm very goal orientated so I set goals every single week I have my list that I need to do and need to get done are you hard and, on yourself if you don't reach a goal because I think lots of people write lists and they set goals but if no one else knows that that goal exists then you're not going to get into trouble or there aren't any repercussions for not doing it how do you make yourself achieve your goals when you write them down so i'm hard on myself when i need to be so i make the choices right so i'm not going to be hard on myself if there's something um say that i need to do but something crops up with one of my kids Mm -hmm. or um you know one of my staff members or there's something that that i i can prioritize quite quite easily Mm -hmm. and i think that i'm you know i think okay i need to you know, pick my battles here. I'm not going to battle with myself over something that's not important. Yeah. If it's super important, I would have done it probably the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are things that absolutely do not get done every week, 100%, and just go onto the to-do list of the next week. But I mean, I'm like, never my hit gonna... rate's 70%. I'm happy yeah, exactly, exactly. And it just depends what the 30% is. Mm-hmm. If the 30% are things that are not critical, then I'm not, then I'm fine about mm-hmm. it. If it's critical stuff, then. I do it before mm. I do anything else. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being a mom as well, I have to, you know, sometimes things come up. So, that and that takes precedence, mm. my kids. And talk to me about um, mindfulness, because, again, that was another... <laughs> I haven't been in the house four minutes, and we're talking about fasting, <laughs> mindfulness, meditation, and headspace. Um, so, obviously, that's... I think that's a practice of yours, is that right? Yeah, so I try and do um, a couple of minutes at least a day. So at one point I was actually properly meditating for at least 20, 25 minutes a day. And I was going through a bit of a transition period in my life. It was just before I started uh, my master's and I really needed to kind of reset and focus. And I, and, I, and I went and did a course on meditation and I was able to meditate from being quite a um, kind of 
busy, stressed, mm. you know, not being able to sit still for one minute kind of person mm. to being able to sit still and quieten my mind. And I really felt that I needed it. So I learned that skill. And what I'm now able to do is to use it in a, in a quick way. So mm. I can be mindful. I can be mindful when I'm walking to the tube station. I can use that time. So it's about slowing your breathing. It's about softening your focus. It's about, you know, just letting your thoughts drift in and out. I try to do it in the evening before I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I think it really helps me to kind of replay what happened the day before or that day Mm -hmm. and reset my intention for the next day. I do a little bit of yoga before I go to sleep, you know, even if it's five minutes. Um, Just kind of, it says to me, okay, this is the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I think the mindfulness... You know, we, we get so caught up in things that sometimes, you know, if you're doing, if you're having a mindfulness um, kind of and you're putting it into your life, it allows you to just take a little bit of a step back. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was talking about in the beginning, like playing the movie mm-hmm. and watching the movie from afar. And that's really what you're doing. You're saying, okay, I'm not part of this right now. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to do some deep breathing. The breathing works on a physiological level. So the breathing will enable your body to get more oxygen It'll slow your heart rate. It'll slow, um, you know, a lot of processes in your body because you're getting, um, because you're taking the time and you're slowing it down. But then also psychologically, it works in a different way that you're actually saying, okay, I'm not looking, I'm not part of everything right now. I'm going to take a tiny step back and just soften everything around mm-hmm. me and let let it all buzz and let me kind of just try and do that little bit of processing mm-hmm. time. And that's what we were talking about in the mm-hmm. beginning, which is the processing time. Yeah, being able to take that, be slightly more objective and not have yeah. a... And I notice it with my friends so much, and I notice it in the way I am as well, is everything, um, whatever it is, whether it's having to send an email, we're already putting putting almost this pressure on ourselves that we should have done it soon or we have to do it quickly. And it's actually to be able to um, take a step back. Like you, you have a lot of things that you have to do in a day. My friends do, I do. And sometimes it can be tempting to just really, really furiously type or rush to this station or rush to that meeting and have this stiff, stressed energy. But you still get the same stuff done if you um, just calm down a bit. Exactly. That's a great, and it is a Tim Ferriss reference, but I just listened to one of his (laughs) podcasts and he had, um, I've forgotten his first name, Sivers, the guy who founded CD Baby. Was he at your your thing in Silicon Valley? No, no, he wasn't. He was talking about he found this um, bike path, I think it was in Santa Monica, 25-mile bike path, and he got into the habit of hammering it every single day, absolutely hammering it, seeing how fast he could go. Like, he was the guy with his head down who, if anyone got in his way, he'd be annoyed. And he did it for months and months and months, and then he got really bored. And every day it took him 43 minutes. So one day he decided to take it it at a leisurely place, and he noticed dolphins flipping in the ocean, he saw a pelican in the sky. He got to the end and it took him 45 minutes. And he was like, so two minutes. Yeah. Amazing. That's it. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. And yet he enjoyed it. It was pleasurable. He didn't give anyone a stink eye for getting his way. <laughs> he probably was a lot calmer for it. But it is same thing, different results, two minutes difference. Exactly. Which is very, very yeah. interesting. If you were, if somebody uh, came to you and said... Um, I'm stressed or I'm wanting to be a bit more like you because <laughs> this would be me when we finish recording um, where would you steer them are there any books that you read are there any um, sayings that you keep coming back to um, I do read a lot I read as much as I can um, and I read everything from kind of psychology books to business books to um, books on religion, um, and but I'm I'm not very religious, but it's like you know just as a kind of as philosophy, mm-hmm. and then I read about kind of one of my favorite books is the Libertarian Manifesto, mm-hmm. which is all about libertarianism. But really, what it does is it just makes you rethink the norms, mm-hmm. um, and I just found that quite fascinating. Um, I do kind of read some blogs as well. So, you know, kind of business people or or thinkers and people who are kind of like, you know, doing lots of things that are, that I find fascinating and interesting. Mm. So, um, and then I think for the, 
But the thing I really, really live by is every single day is an opportunity. It's like it's not a rehearsal. It's an opportunity mm-hmm. to do something you love, to do something you want to do, and to mm. kind of find pleasure in, in, in the small things. Yeah. That's lovely. That's a perfect note on which to end, especially as I think your son is trying to get into the house <laughs> from, his, from his outside studio. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank um, you. It's been it was, really fascinating. Yeah, it was great. It was excellent. Um, thank you so much. And here's to um, 500 million subscribers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All of the links to Melinda, Baby to Body, uh, any, any other books that we've mentioned, um, philosophies, whatever it is that we covered, will be in the show notes. But for now, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Beauty Podcast with me, Emma G. Just wanted to take um, a few moments at the end of the show to say thank you to everybody who's been heading over to iTunes and leaving five-star reviews. You have no idea of the look of pure joy on my face when I read them. Um, I really appreciate all your emails as well. So if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Emma Guns on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to email me, just head over to the website and click the little envelope. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.